three verses. It says, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, rest, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we just thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for just the privilege of getting together at the beginning of week to, to look at it, to study it, to encourage ourselves with it. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you just help us, just give us a deeper hunger to want to know and read and learn and hear your word. Pray just remove every distraction from us, teach us from us, encourage us from your word this morning. And Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Do you want to live? Do you want to live? To want to live is the most natural desire of anybody that's alive. To not want to live is the alarm of something deeply has, is going wrong or has going wrong. That's why the Thailand cave rescue was so compelling to the world. When we were on vacation, I pretty much shut myself off from everything in the world, but the one thing that I kept in touch with until it was done was the Thailand cave rescue. Because the question wasn't, uh, what cool technique are they going to try to get them out of the cave? That wasn't what we were interested. What we were interested in and what the world was interested in was, will they live or will they die? Will they get out of this cave? Are they going to live? Because everybody wants to live. That's the natural state of all of us. That's why there are six movies right now being made on the cave rescue already, because it fascinated the world with the idea of, will they live? Will they get out of the cave? We are regularly reminded that to live is the main thing. I mean, that's what the news is all about. We we watch the news, and we hear all these bad stories, and it's like, don't want to be that person. I want to live, especially holiday travel reports, you know, when they talk about, hey, this, there's going to be 60 million people on the road, 160 people will die this weekend on the 4th of July, or you read that and you're like, I don't want to be that one. So drive safely. That's the whole point of those reports because we want to live. We, we always want to live. In our culture, we are encouraged, though, to live any way we want. Just live how we want. Find your own truth. You do you. You be you. One author said the ultimate value of our culture, the ultimate value is ultimate change. That just nothing's fixed. That everything's supposed to change. Everything's supposed to morph. And that's the ultimate thing that our culture values right now is total change. And just you do you. You be you. But Christianity, listen, Christianity is not that belief. 
That's not Christianity. Christianity believes in things that are fixed. Christianity has a fixed nature of things. God created the heavens and the earth. God made us male and female. God designed marriage between a man and a woman. God set the boundaries of our dwelling place. Christianity in the Bible says there are fixed things. Psalms 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. That's not the culture that we live in right now. The culture that we live in right now says just change. Everything's changed. You decide what you do. You decide who you are. You be whatever you want to be. There is no standard. There is nothing that's fixed. Everything's open for discussion. That's not Christianity. That's not what the Bible says. So how do we live in a world of rapid change and tension and be wholeheartedly committed to the Lord? You need to live the word. And we need to live the word. We need to live on the word. We need to live in the word. And we need to live under the word of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, the nation of Israel has just come from 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. Everything was changed for them. They, and, and they're in a process of major change right now. They're, they're getting ready to go into the promised land, and Moses is reminding them over and over in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, remember, 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 because we forget things so often, don't we? That's why we gather once a week. We gather together because we are so forgetful that we need to be reminded again over and over again. And Moses says, remember, you shall remember how God brought you through the wilderness. And then he says this, you shall remember that God brought you into the wilderness and he humbled you and he let you be hungry and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make known to you something. They were getting ready to go into a new place a new change, and Moses takes the time through God's word to teach them to remember, and he says, live on the word. Remember. Remember all these things. Live on the word. And remember that we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There's one key truth. The Bible is not mainly information. The Bible is not mainly information for us. The Bible is food, is what Deuteronomy 8 says. It's food for us to be nourished with and to eat. The Bible is not just information. That's why this message is just for young people as well, because it's really easy to grow up in church, see your parents read the Bible, hear other people read the Bible, know the answers to the Bible, and the old adage is true, you can miss heaven by 18 inches. The distance from your head to your heart. You can have all kinds of Bible knowledge, but not living on it. The Bible's not just information. The Bible is food. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that God made the people hungry. He says, and he humbled you. They're, 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 they're wandering around in the wilderness 
They've got already all kinds of other problems already. I mean, they've got difficulties already. And he says, and God humbled you and let you hunger, and then he fed you with manna. And so they would, all of a sudden, the manna wasn't coming up, the food wasn't coming up from the ground. All of a sudden, if you go back and read, it was just dropping down from heaven. God would drop this food, this manna that they didn't know about. Instead of growing it, it would just flop out of the ground. And they were told when to gather it and how to gather it, and God sustained them with it, but he used it to wake them up to something. God made the people hungry, and God made them hungry. Why? So he could feed them. That's what God does. God takes you through different things to wake you up to him. God makes us hungry so that he could feed them. And God made them hungry so he could feed them, so he could reveal that he alone can feed their deepest hunger. What did this mean to the people when they saw this? He he wanted to remind them of this. He said, remember this. Remember how God made you hungry? Remember how you were amazed that food started dropping down from heaven and that God took care of you? He, He let you be hungry and then he fed you for a reason and the reason wasn't just to keep you alive physically. There was a deeper spiritual reason for that. The reason that he did that so that you would know that man, boys, girls, women don't live By bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What God was trying to say to them is you can't get to the promised land in your own strength. You can't get there with your own resources. I had to feed you in an unbelievable, miraculous way, and I dropped the food down for you so that you could realize that all your own efforts weren't going to make it for you. You needed some help outside of your help, and there's all kinds of people who are trying to do this in our world. They're trying to make it to the promised land on their own. Whatever their promised land is, success, authority, power. And they're doing all this effort, and God says, you can't do it that way. You can't get to the promised land on your own. You're not going to live that way. You won't live. The only way we live is by every word that comes from the mouth of God. One other time, this passage is in Scripture. In John chapter 4, Jesus has been baptized, and he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days, almost reenacting, in a sense, the nation of Israel, showing that Jesus is the true Israel, the true people of God. And he wanders there, and he gets hungry, and Satan comes and says, Hey, you're the son of God. Turn this, turn this into these stones into bread. And Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then he quotes in John chapter 5, you, for you, you, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What was the test to Jesus? The test that Satan was given Jesus was, do you really trust God? Really? You're the son of God. You're hungry. God let you be hungry. You've got all this power. If you're hungry, and he was 100% human, and he was hungry, if you're really who you say you are, just turn the stones into bread. Do you really trust God? Really? Are you really going to trust that God's going to take care for you? 
Are you really going to trust God when things are difficult or when they're delayed? And even deeper for the challenge and the temptation to Jesus was, was maybe this idea that there might be another way. You might not have to go to the cross Satan was trying to tempt him with. Really? Do you really trust your father that this is the only way to rescue people? Do you really trust God to follow his directions? It's the same temptation, same question he's asking you this morning. That's the question of the Bible. Do you trust God? Do you trust God in the difficult? Do you trust God in the delays? Do you trust God to follow his directions and do it his way? There is a great hunger of our culture. You ask people, what do you want out of life? And most people in our culture are going to say, I want to be happy. I want happiness. I want to be happy. However they define happiness. I want hope because their happiness. I want some joy in their happiness. I want some success. Man, I'd just like some peace. I would like some contentment. That's my promised land. That's what I want. That's how I, if I can get happiness, then I'm living. Then I'm alive. Because I know I got to do this to live because I want to live. And people aren't living that way. Because they can't live that way. That's why the death of Anthony Bourdain has shocked the world. He was a world-traveling, great personality, charismatic, great cook. He could eat food. He knew, he knew all the great places to eat. Had what seemed like everything in the world, popularity, fame. But Anthony Bourdain didn't have life, and he knew it. And at 61 years ago, 61 years of age, a few weeks ago, he kills himself had what everything the world seems to offer. He even knew how to cook. He had bread. You know how to eat good bread. You know how to find the good bread. But he didn't live. Because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And the question for some of us this morning is do you trust God? Do you believe that Jesus is the bread of life? And have you trusted him? Will you turn your life over to him? And for some of us, the other question is, will I trust God that Jesus is the bread of life and keep following him? Because it seems like the world has it figured out sometimes, doesn't it? It seems like They've got it easy. It seems like people who follow God have struggles, but the world seems to be at ease. And there's this great temptation. And there's a liar in your ear who's trying to tell you it's not true. That Jesus isn't the bread of life. That Jesus really isn't the way to live. So go back and live the way of the world. And Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 says, come. And this is, I would say this morning to Christians. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. 
Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Will you live on the word of God is the question. Or will you keep spinning and trying to say, no, there's got to be something else. I'm going to spend my money for stuff that's not bread. I'm going to spend my time and other efforts instead of focusing on what God says in his word and just live on the word. I'm going to figure out what God says and live that way. And maybe you're starting to distract yourself. You can see yourself kind of coasting a little bit and saying, well, I've I've kind of gotten off the word. I, I am spending more time with more energy in things that aren't really bread. And if you are, ask the Holy Spirit to wake you up to that. Don't be satisfied with that. Jesus says, come to me, everyone who thirsts. Why? Because Jesus can satisfy it. He can feed us. He says, he told his disciples, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take it in and eat it. Eat. I, I am the bread of life. Eat me. Take, take it in and let it do its work in you. Let it digest in you. Let it do its work in you. So we need to live on the word. But how do we live on the word? We live on the word by living in the word. The Bible says Jesus is the word, and the, it says, live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said, there is no development of the Christian that will come to him in any way but by God's word, incarnate or inspired, which means the only way we're going to develop as Christians is by coming to God's word. Jesus, who is the incarnate word of God, he is God in the flesh, and he gave us The Bible, his inspired word. And Jesus himself said, the Bible is all about me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, everything's about me, he said in Luke 22. It's all about me. It's everything's about Jesus. And so the way we are going to live on the word is by living in the word, knowing what the Bible has to say, that there's nothing sadder than a malnourished person or baby. A number of years ago, our boys were having a little struggle with enjoying what they ate for supper, and it was a little complaint time. So I happened to find this little caption of a little malnutritious boy in Africa sitting in a pan, and I cut it out, and I put it on our refrigerator. It may not be the best plan. I'm not saying it was a good idea. I'm just saying I did it, and I put it on the refrigerator, and it stayed there for about a year, and so anybody complained about the meal, just point to the picture. Because there's nothing sadder than this malnutritious person. Or you see Holocaust pictures of adults in World War II who weren't able to eat at all. Totally malnourished. Christians are to live in the Word. That's how we feed. The Bible's food. So Deuteronomy 8 is saying it's food for us. It's for us to feed ourselves with. We, we don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There, there's a wrong way to use food, and there's a wrong way to use Scripture. If you, if you play with it, it's a bad way to use food. And people play with Scripture as well. They, they, they look at it like it's just some kind of a very fascinating piece of literature. And there's all kinds of highly intelligent people who just play with it. They'll, they'll, they'll pick it up and they'll look at it and they'll, 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 they'll like the history and they like the artistry of it and they, the, 
That's playing with your, the Bible. And there's a way to fight with it, too. And fighting with your food can be fun for a while. But it's not fun. It doesn't feed us. And fighting with Scripture is the wrong way to use food. We, we, we find these verses and we have, to, we have to get our way with it and just pound people with it. And that's not how we're supposed to use the Bible. Nor is gorging yourself with food a good idea either. Especially if you're malnourished. It's not good. When World War II, when they rescued all those people who were that way, they started to give them food, and they gorged themselves on it, and they all started getting sick instantly. Because gorging yourself on food isn't healthy either. Neither is it with Scripture. And sometimes we'll do this where we, we really mess up. We had a really bad week. We yelled at our wife. We yelled at our kids. We cheated. We looked at something we shouldn't look at. And so to, to overcome that, we... Whew, we go and gorge ourselves in the Bible. I'm going to read the whole thing of Romans and figure it out and just gorge. That's not as the way God intended Scripture to be read. It's not healthy. Now, all those things left to themselves to, in, in certain ways can be good. It, it can be good if you've read Scripture long to, to read long, large chunks of it. But that's not how we live in the Word. What we are called to do is to, if it's true, that that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, we are to prize the Bible, or to, to treasure it, and to desire. But how do we do that? How do we do it? I want to give you some real practical things. If I were to help us to live in the word, how do we do it? The first thing we got to do is just keep the main direction in sight. The, the main destination of the Bible is not a bunch of information. The main destination of the Bible is to know God through Jesus Christ and to bring him glory, to know Jesus. Matthew, John chapter 5, 39 says, hey, the Pharisees, if not, will just become like Pharisees. The Pharisees would study the scriptures, it says. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have life and it is that they bear witness about me. It's not just knowing a bunch of Bible. It's Reading the Bible so you can know Jesus. We've got to keep the destination in sight. Jesus is the destination with Scripture. That's where we, he's the true bread. He's the true life. And so we need patience. When someone says to you, and sometimes they think even when I say it to people, hey, read the Bible, be in the Word, it's very imposing. It's a huge book. It's like a library of 66 books. And you say, read the Bible, it's overwhelming because we don't live in a culture that reads very much in the first place. And so what we need to do is take the anxiety down a little bit and just be patient. The main goal is to know Jesus Christ and to set a plan in your life where you're reading consistently and hearing from God on a regular basis with just patience. When you eat food when you're a little kid, you don't grow up to be six foot three instantly. Maybe even after 45 years, it doesn't happen for you either. But you just got to hope, and you just keep eating it. And you're just patient, and you're just patient. Read the Bible with patience. The point is to see Jesus. You don't have to memorize it in the first couple of years of your Christianity. You, you, you can read it with patience. The point is to take it in and see Jesus. Be patient with yourself. Don't get frustrated if you can't remember every reference. Don't get frustrated if you sit somebody else in church and, I, and somebody says something, you're like, I don't, I don't know that. And you, you feel stupid and like, well, 
I just don't know the Bible, so it's just too much. I can't learn it. No, just be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with Scripture. Take small chunks of it and just read it each day. Ten verses, 20 verses, a chapter, take you five minutes. Just be patient with it. Be and read it plainly. We have so many Bible studies, so much information out there that you start clicking on reading the Bible, it can overwhelm us. The way to read the Bible is to pick it up and read it like it's a book. It's a book. God gave us a book. Don't get intimidated by how nicely it's bound up or what it looks like. Just read the Bible patiently and plainly. It's, read it like you're reading the newspaper. You pick it up or, or, or a blog post that you're reading. You, just, you pick it up and you read it. And you just read it plainly like it's written. And you're not always going to understand everything in it, but just keep reading anyway because the point is you're going to have this perspective. As you read the Bible with patience and you read it plainly, you just also have this perspective that every time you read the Bible, even though it's true that when you open up the Bible, it's God's word to you and God's literally speaking to you when you read the Bible, but every time that happens, it doesn't mean that you're going to have unbelievably great insight and just tingling feelings every time you read it. Where we, we, we think that I'm not, I, just, I just must not understand the Bible because I read it and it seems difficult and hard and I just don't always get great things out of it. The destination of reading the Bible is to know God through Jesus and to know Jesus. You've got to keep the destination in mind. So read it with perspective. I mean, we, we just drove out to Virginia, to Virginia Beach area, and there's not much in Ohio to see. But I drove through there, and I, I just drove through Ohio because I had to get to Virginia. The perspective was to get to Virginia. And if I got frustrated in Ohio, like, I'm not seeing anything interesting here. I'm done. I'm going back home to more cornfields. I'd be dead. But we don't do that with the Bible. Sometimes that's how we feel, though. I'm not getting anything out of it, so I'm just going to stop. No, the perspective is to see Jesus, so keep reading with that perspective. Not every time you read the Bible is it going to be this wowing thing. There will be moments, like when we got to West Virginia and saw some great hills and mountains, like, wow, that's great. I'd like to stop here and pause for a while. That's how it is with reading the Bible. Just read it with that perspective, but just do it per- perpetually. Just keep reading. Take all the Bible in. If you only ate one type of food, you would be now malnourished. So we have to read all of the Bible, take it all in. The Old Testament and the New Testament are all about Jesus and all the things that are in them as well, the doctrines, the duties, the promises, the history, the prophecy, all of those things are what's moving us to Jesus. That's the point. We're just taking God's word in, we're living in it, and we just do it perpetually. We don't just get stuck on the Gospels and say, I'm just going to read the Gospels because I love about Jesus and forget the Old Testament. Or I just like narratives, so I'm just going to read the Old Testament and forget about the Gospels or the Epistles. Or I don't really like prophecy, so I don't understand it. Just keep letting it live in you and trust that God's teaching you as you're reading the Bible. That as you're reading, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. When you were a little kid and you sat in a room filled with adults and they were talking about things, you didn't always know what they were talking about, did you? But if you ran away, you would never hear. But if you sat in the room long enough, eventually as you listened more and listened more and listened more, you'd start to pick up on things. That's how it is with reading the Bible. 
You go into the Bible, you get into some tough parts, and you're like, I have no idea what that's talking about. How can this be helpful to me? It's helpful to you. And so you just keep reading it, and you keep reading it, and eventually, you're going to come back to it anyway, and you'll be like, oh, I, I get it that time. Oh, and God reveals more to you. Oh, and God reveals more to you. And then you're like, oh, oh, that's what he's talking about. Just keep reading it. Set a pattern to do it. But listen, read the Bible with the purpose to obey it. That's what it says in James. George MacDonald said, obedience is the great opener of the eyes. If you want to see Jesus, if you want to know God's will and plan for your life, then pick up the Bible, read it the way I just described, but do it with the purpose to obey it, and God will open your eyes. That's what he said. It's a mirror to us. It's to awaken us to what we live in the word. Just set a pattern to do it. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. The reason we read the Bible, the reason we read it this way and just keep reading it and keep reading it, even though we don't understand everything about it, we keep learning and keep coming back to it, we do it perpetually, we set a plan and just keep going through our heads, it's for our joy, God says. It's for your joy and your delight. You're cutting yourself off from it if you're not spending your time in the Word. And if we are living on the Word, and we want to live in the Word, what's that going to do? What's that look like for us? It just means we live a life then that's under the Word. The the, the verse says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God is higher than us. He's greater than us. He's above us. And God always speaks first. God always has the first word. We aren't calling out to God first. God's spoken to us. He's given his word to us. And he says, come, live in the word. Live then under the word. In Nehemiah chapter 8, after the people of Israel had built the walls again, and they called Ezra, and they got together, and all the people met in one place, and they brought out the Bible. They brought out the Old Testament law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and they read it out loud, and all the people listened to it. They lived under the word. And this is what it looks like. The message, paraphrased Bible, says this of Romans 12. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed 
from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quick to respond from it. That's living in the word and living under the word. And when the people heard the word of God like that, when they, when they listened to it, in Nehemiah 8.12, it says, and all the people went there to eat and to drink and to left there to, and to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the word that was declared to them. So what do you do then? After you read the Bible, you get up in the morning and you set a time and you perpetually read the Bible, you get it in and you read it and you gather on Sundays and you hear it and you read it, then what do you do? We, we go. We get up, we walk out of here, we gather at the back table, celebrate life, and enjoy a baby thing. I just forgot what it was. <laughs> a baby shower. You enjoy it. You get up and you show up at five to seven over at the Morrises and you hang out together and have fun together. You wake up tomorrow, you go to work in the midst of a broken world, crooked, all messed up, and you shine as lights, and you pursue excellence in your craft for the glory of God. Then you come home, and you deal with the complexities of families and interactions, and you you love on each other, you laugh, you repent, you forgive each other. You get back up, you go to sleep, you get up the next day, you read the Bible again, and you walk in and you just go, and you just go and live. And you enjoy God and you trust God. And by the continual reading of his word and living under it, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you believe that it's not because of what I'm doing, but it's because God loves me so much that he gave his word for me and he is going to use his Holy Spirit to guide me into all truth. And by that happening, I am becoming conform to the image of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read the word. I'm going to be in the word. I'm going to live under the word. And we just go and we just enjoy life and the life that God has given us. Because you don't live on bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So live in the word. Enjoy it. Eat it. It's a grace that God has provided for us. Read the Bible, eat the word, and go and enjoy the good life that God has given to us. Let's pray.